1: Good Tuesday morning. I am Coach Janet in Ocala,
0: Florida. And I'm Jacqueline Tiley from Fort Collins, Colorado. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 15th. We are episode 3060. This episode is brought to you by the Certified Horsemanship Association. Good morning, horse world.
1: Houston, we have a problem.
0: Ability equals skill plus knowledge. I got a bad feeling about this.
1: Here's a safety tip for you from the Certified Horsemanship Association. Missed it by
0: that much.
1: How can I change this to make
2: it better the next time? Help, you, I get? Yes.
1: Time for training Tuesday on horses in the morning. With the Certified Horsemanship Association. Welcome back, Jacqueline. Are you back home, settled in, all finished up with the big conference.
0: Oh yes, it was a it was a long but really exciting and amazing uh, week for CHA when we were down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, at Middle Tennessee State University.
1: So, how long is the conference? How many days? The conference
0: itself um, runs from midday Thursday when we start with our annual meeting. Uh, we're at the hotel, and then we head out for two full days um, on site somewhere like this year. We were at Middle Tennessee State University's equine um, program, so we got to interact with their horses, their students, the beautiful facility, so two full days out there. So it's two and a half days of educational content However, behind the scenes, Jennifer, the staff and board um, have a meeting all day on Wednesday and do additional prep on Thursday before the conference. And then on Sunday, um, annually, we take that time since we're all together and we work on putting together and updating our really amazing video safety shorts for our members and others of the horse world.
1: Oh, you guys, that's right. I forgot you guys have a, an extensive video library, don't you?
0: Yes, we do. Uh, we provide videos, um, actually, some of the videos from our conference. So folks weren't able to attend, um, they should keep their eyes and ears open because a handful of sessions get taped every year and then get put up um, at a small fee for both members and non-members to watch for Um, CEUs to maintain their certification.
1: That's really interesting because great perk as a CHA member, you can use those as training tools for yourself as well as for your students, couldn't you? Oh,
0: absolutely. And
1: the video and
0: safety shorts are everything from how to fit a helmet to how to keep your equipment safe, um, what is the appropriate and safe way to attach certain types of equipment to your horse. Um, This year, I'm really excited. We did something new that we don't have in our video library that is gonna be some um, safety do's and don'ts um, (laughs) in the arena. So it was a lot of fun to make. I think the students at Middle Tennessee State University may
1: have had a little too much fun making it. (laughs) I'm gonna to have to tune into that one straight away. Well, instructors are always struggling through the winter months to find content and lesson plans that they can use when the weather is frigid and inappropriate for riding, or if the footing is not good and you can't get out, or if you're stuck in a little tiny indoor arena. And these videos could be a really useful tool for them. Oh, absolutely. I think
0: especially the safety shorts because instructors can go on and instead of being the ones to show something short and sweet and simple, like how to safely fit your helmet to yourself, they could talk about it themselves and then share this free CHA safety short. All of our safety shorts are free to everyone. Um, and you can access those through our website, through our YouTube channel. It's really, um, An amazing resource and tool for folks. So So, you are correct. And again, there's also content that you can pay for, but there's just so many great um, bits and pieces in there. Instructors, whether you're a CHA member or not, should go ahead and check it out. So,
1: cha.horse is the website. Correct. That's right. So I'm going to make a quick note here. So just came up with a lesson plan in my little head. Again, because... (laughs) We're always struggling to find things to do when riding is not available or very limited. So the how to fit a helmet properly, that doesn't sound like much of a lesson plan, but take everybody in your riding group and take all of their helmets and put them in a box or a clean muck tub. Notice I said clean. (laughs) And then you divide everybody up and each student has to take a helmet out, any helmet, a random helmet, and put it on Mm -hmm. their partner's head and decide whether or not it fits and why. But the partner has their back to the helmet fitter, so they don't know what helmet is being put on their head. Oh, that's great. Otherwise, I love they're going to go. Oh, well, that's not mine, right? So, but if if yep, they're fanning backwards, correct. then just plop it on there, and yep. then you switch them around. Everybody who got their helmet fitted yep. slips sw- switches around, and again, everybody grabs a random helmet, put it on the head of their partner, and talk about why it does or doesn't fit well after they watch the video. And that would be great fun for a little group of students, regardless of what level they are.
0: Oh, yeah. I can I can see some crazy wildness in that from a variety of different types of students that I work with um, having a lot of fun. And I think you're right, making it interactive. And that's what really CHA is all about, is taking what's out there and, and turning your lesson into something fun and interactive. And all writers should know how to fit a helmet to their own head. But Truly, ultimately, before they get on the horse, it is their instructor's responsibility. But it is a great way to integrate, um, have fun, and learn that skill.
1: Right, and it's going to make them more cognizant of how their own helmet fits their head. If they have somebody else's being plopped on top, that doesn't. So <laughs> right. if if you've if you've only ever worn helmets that fit well, you're not going to have a reference point. Or, that is true. you know, so then they can, they, they can stick their fingers up under their temples and go, oh, wow, there's a giant gap there. Or the person doing their fitting, their partner, is going to say, stuff your fingers up in there and, what, and tell me what you feel. And right. I, I've always thought that interacting with something and understanding it from a first-person point of view makes it stick a lot better. So when they have to borrow a helmet when they go to their friend's house to ride, maybe they're going to be more... Um, aware of whether or not that helmet that they're about to borrow really does fit and say, you know, can I borrow Fred's helmet instead of Barbara's helmet? Because this one doesn't fit. Oh, right. Because, right. They,
0: you should be safe wherever you are riding.
1: That's right. There we oh, go.
0: Well, cool. Is there, are,
1: were there any of the sessions for you personally that stood out that gave you a little light bulb moments or you found particularly inspiring? Well,
0: you know, um... Wearing the hat of CEO and being at that event, you don't necessarily get to sit in and listen in depth, but I will tell you that we've already received feedback from many of the participants um, and I was able, because it was at lunch, to hear um, Julie Goodnight, but she is always uh, wonderful and she can always talk for much more time than we give her, but People always love her, and I even took some things away um, from her talk, and she spoke Saturday afternoon during lunch um, about canter exercises, and so that was really um, a fun thing because I actually got to hear uh, hear some of what she had to say, but I think what was um, what was great for me, like I said, since I didn't get to sit and listen to all the different things, was to really see how engaged our members are and that they gave great feedback. Uh, Folks really loved um, the interaction that they had with um, Bob Burns, who actually did a ground activity um, for us, and he had more than the average number of participants um, because they weren't mounted, they were on the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, And so people really enjoyed that, even though many folks come and say, We love coming to CHA because we can sign up and and ride in one of the sessions, Um, but people really did enjoy being able to um, participate on the ground as well. So some of our ground activities um, had soaring um, reviews, which was awesome. We also had some great reviews um, about the different perspectives that we brought in this year and our partnership with IEA. Um, was amazing and it allowed us to have to bring in some judges who gave the judges perspective of working with riders and taking your riders out to shows so Ooh, that's for a,
1: me that's great because so those were the highlights yeah, I the get. judges perspective is such is so valuable because oftentimes it's not what you think mm-hmm. <laughs> correct <laughs> And and it it can be useful to make you a better competitor so you can create a better performance. It can be useful to riders who feel frustration or disappointment when they do or don't or when they, they don't get the performance or the ribbon they thought. It can be useful for riders who are doing really well and aren't too sure why that does happen. So right. what a great idea! I was going to. I was wondering if you were bringing outside folks in. So when yep. is the next conference for people who want to do long term planning?
0: Well, that is that is a great question. Um, we usually do plan at least a year in advance so people can uh, get us on their schedule because we know how busy everyone is. Um, we will be in Fort Collins, Colorado, right here in my backyard, October twenty sixth through the twenty eighth of 2023. So go ahead and put us on your calendar. We'll be here in conjunction with Colorado State University's Equine program.
1: Do it now. Put it on your calendar people because Fort Collins, Colorado is well worth a visit. Just bring the whole family, make a vacation of it. Oh, it's a great place for families. There's lots to see and do even in the fall. Da-da-da! So we've we've gabbed about the conference, which is always a highlight every year for me to find out what's going on over there. And one of the people at the conference is our guest today. Who is it? Well, thanks
0: for joining us this morning, Ken. We have Ken Najorka joining us. He has been affiliated with CHA as a certified instructor and as a regional director in Region 7 for a number of years. Ken owns Najorka Performance Horses. In Fort White, Florida, where he raises trains and sells reining horses, Ken was a coach for the University of Central Florida equestrian team, and now he conducts horsemanship clinics across the southeast. He maintains a lesson program at his barn, and that serves to develop riders in western dressage, ranch horse and trail riding disciplines. Thanks for joining us today, Ken.
2: I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, we're happy to have you, and I'm hoping that you'll start out by telling us a little bit about your horsemanship journey.
2: Oh, my. Uh, I've had an incredible journey. Um, I've been blessed to uh, ride many horses, work with many different people, um, do quite a few things in the horse world, from, as you said, coaching uh, the University of Central Florida, I was also very fortunate to, I'd like to say, be, hid, be hidden behind the scenes with RFD-TV and Dennis Reese. Uh, I was one of his instructors for many years as well. Um, I I started as a, a standard young kid uh, that wished what I would have known of CHA um, with a horse that Heck, I think we jokingly said we paid 250 bucks at a furniture auction for him and uh, had a lot of good times and tortured him through all the old man from Snowy River movies. Oh. I found every hill in the state of Florida to go down, and there's not many hills here. <laughs> so, but like I say, through all of that, I've progressed with the, from the coaching and working with the TV, and we to you know, show in the Western Dressage and the ranch horse. And you know, my love and passion have always been the reining horses. And I use that, my knowledge from the reining, cause I was blessed some very talented trainers to teach me. Um, I share that and help fix other horses, uh, different problem horses. So, and through that I've gone on and also done a lot of like colt startings, different things that way slowing down on those as much, uh, but we even still do quite a bit with teaching people how to start colts and fix those problems.
0: So, you do have a very interesting background, but what led you to your CHA certification and all of your involvement as a regional director?
2: Oh, my. <laughs> um, several years passed. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be asked to be a guest clinician when there's the international conference was at the Grand Cypress in Orlando, Florida. And uh, we went through a hurricane, um, had all kinds of craziness there. And I just really hit it off with the group. I really like you guys. I love the front, the, the background. Um. What CHA stands for, what their goals are, Um, and it just slowly started pulling me in. Um, And then, fortunate with uh, the past CHA CEO, Christy, uh, we just started doing more and more, and then I became a regional director, and I just love working with you guys. Out of all the groups... I think I have more fun with CHA than all the other ones.
0: Well, we're really, really very lucky to have you. It was awesome to have you in Tennessee this year at our conference. And actually, that's what we're hoping you're going to share with us um, and talk to us a little bit about today is what you did at conference, because it's such an important thing for all of us to be able to do and understand is teaching horses to stop softly, um, and why stopping softly is important for your horse?
2: That, that's, you know, it's a great question. And I get, I do a lot of clinics. I'm very fortunate that I'm able to travel around doing clinics, um, and about every single clinic, no matter where the background is, whether I'm working with a dressage horse, barrel racing horse, uh, or somebody just wants a trail ride. Uh, It doesn't matter. Uh, And then also for myself, being in the show pen and coaching many people um, is to be able to stop their horse and to be able to stop without uh, without resistance from the horse. And so much of that is not the horse. It's our equitation. And. You know, I get people that come to me, we'll just kind of pick on the trail riders a little bit. Um, You know, their equitation, if you're leaning, if you're out of balance, that makes it very hard on the horse. And with so many horses out there, they actually need to be taught the woe. People just assume you can stop a horse. Um, You know, if it doesn't stop, get a bigger bit. You know, you know, if that bit doesn't work, get a bigger bit. Um, and I'm in, in my younger days, I even went through that stage myself and ran out of bits. Uh, and I'm like, my gosh, I should be able to stop anything. And so I started learning different ways and going all the way back to a snaffle bit um, and learning to be able to have a horse stop softly. If you think in the reining horses, the more you pull, the more they're going to pull back. Um, so I, you know, we learn that to be able to move the hips, to be able to move the shoulders, to control the rib cage, helps that horse to stop. And kind of one of my favorites is in this day and age, everybody comes to me well, with the one rein stop, but they can't move the horse's hips. Uh, or what we would like to say, disengage that hip, uh, in order to be able to get that horse to stop. Um, so if you're leaning, if you're out of balance and say you're leaning to the left and you're picking up that left rein, or if you're pulling down in a it puts you out of balance. And if you're out of balance, then it's hard for you to think about fixing the horse, you're fighting your balance. So if we think you're always sitting straight on top of that horse, uh, a, a saying that's out there, I kind of joke about it, you need to be one with that horse. So if you sit, stay straight on top of that horse, that eliminates you having to worry about the balance. Now you can say, okay, now I can work on my hands. Now I can work with my leg. Now I can teach him to move that hip. I can teach him to bend and flex, uh, to become soft. Uh, And this is a process. Uh, So many people want to. Oh, this doesn't work. uh, But you only tried it one time. Right back to the basics. It's practice. Uh, When I do clinics, I probably spend it uh, a good half of my, the day in the clinic, no matter what level the horse is uh, how to stop you know, how to move that hip, how to bend laterally left and right um, you know to be soft in uh, in the pole um, so many people don't understand that they wanna i jokingly say they want a plow horse, you know they they want to plow those. They want to drag those horses around. Um, and when things go bad, that doesn't work. Uh, the horses are just, they've learned to pull back. Um, they've learned to fight with the rider. And it's a taught thing. It's kind of like riding. If you're always pulling on that horse and you're riding, I'd like to say you're riding with your hands in the horse's mouth. It's kind of like riding with a set of brakes on it. When you're driving your truck, you're riding... You're driving around with your truck with your left foot on the brakes. Sooner or later, you're going to burn up those brakes. So um, we work back to the balance and work on the equitation. If you're sitting up tall, you're sitting up straight, then it's easier also to trust that horse. And I let that horse have a chance to make the mistake by putting it on a loose rein and then being able to move that hip. Move that shoulder, uh, bend left, bend right, unlateral, um, and it does right back to you. I'm kind of like a broken record. Sometimes it's all about becoming soft, um, and the more you can get them to listen. I do a lot of this at the uh, the walk, the trot. I build, uh, then I build, and I do this either in a small pen, in an arena, uh, my place. We really don't have enclosed arenas because I want to make sure my horses steer so there's no fences. Um, so my my arena is in the, the middle of a field. Um, so you have to be able to guide this horse. So if you're out on the trail and something goes wrong, you can bend that horse, pick that shoulder up, push that hip around to get them to disengage the, the, the hip. Uh, and no matter what, it, whether it's that trail horse, I was uh, a couple years back, I had a horse that I was showing at the Pinto World. And I got the horse because it would run off. And it was a horse that, man, I wanted to show this horse. I knew I could fix it. And I did a lot of disengaging the hip, a lot of moving the uh, lateral flexion, bending and become soft. Then that horse learned the weight on me. And so he was, he was always waiting for me to ask. Um, you know, I had a great time. I sat in the top five in the Western dressage and ranch horse on that horse. It was a, gr- it was a great year with that horse and the client sold the horse. And now it's a little girl that owns that horse and goes and works cows with her dad, you know, cause that horse will wait, he will not run off. But if she needs to move the hip, she needs to move the shoulder. She can do it, and the, the horse had learned it. But it took time; it took a, a lot of miles in the, in, and took practice to teach that horse uh, to wait. And it's, but it takes a lot of work with it. The um, when we're doing this with uh, getting the horse to become soft, one of the things I like to think, and I learned from a dressage trainer, is when you ask them to flex laterally, okay, which uh, is helping to make the pole soft, no different from us. If you're relaxed and soft in your Atlas and access vertebrae, I'm no doctor, but I think I got that right. <laughs> so, or the, you know, the horses work the same way. If they're soft in those two vertebrae, then it helps the whole body become relaxed. You know, you go and get a massage at the, uh, at. at at the massage place, there we go, um, you're relaxed. What do they do? They work on your neck, they work on your shoulders. It's the same concept with the horse, is if you teach them to bend laterally left and right, become soft in the pole, the rest of their body becomes soft. Um, A very good trainer that I was able to work with uh, years ago is uh, John Lyons. Everybody knows John. His son is doing incredibly well in this day and age. Um, John had a, a, a thought, and I, I still believe in. I still do it. Is if I can develop lateral, left and right, and develop softness. When a horse's head is down, they're relaxed. They're grazing. So if their horse's head, the horse's head is up, you, uh, you're out on the trail, or there's something bad. Uh, A dog, something scares the horse, uh, whatever, the horse's head's up, it's in fear. But if I teach that horse to relax, the moment I pick up that rein, that horse drops his head, he relaxes. It's an amazing thing how it works. So I'll spend lots of time bending that horse left and right and then moving those hips around. And then I'll practice. I'm like a broken record with practice. Go you know, uh, to get this where no matter what I do, if I'm riding around, I pick up a rein, ask that horse to give, he drops his head, he slows down, and he relaxes. So if we're out on a trail, we're out riding, um, and, and we've had this where the deer jump out, come out of nowhere, startle horses, and even the good broke horses can. Get nervous or take off, uh, and you need to be able to control that horse. And if you can pick up that rein, that horse drops his head, he relaxes. Or you, nice and tall, you're sitting straight in the saddle. You can bend that horse around, disengage that hip. Uh, a lot of the when you think of the disengaging of the hip, when you take a horse and move that hind leg under them it makes it very hard for them to buck or to run off uh but unfortunately we have to teach that um so many people ride and they put a leg on a horse because they haven't finished the teaching process that horse just wants to go faster they think that's what you want it's almost like hey a bear's squeezing me i better get out of there you know kind of like flight before fight so they're going to try to flight out of it so we got to say oh no you need to understand you need to, when I put my leg there, you need to move that hip. Uh, no matter what the situation is, you need to move that hip. So we actually do whole exercises and actually games that we play in is, uh, with my students is we play tag, but you can only move the horse's hip. So you have to catch the other person and tag them only by moving a hip on your horse. So it really gets you to think how I can position that horse, how I can move that horse, uh, to get. And then that develops into, Hey, no matter what, I can move that hip. I can pick up that rein. That horse gets soft and they come back to me. Um, hopefully I can go on for hours, ladies. So you, uh, you got to yell. Oh, um, <laughs> I know. So can yeah, you- so. Yeah. You
0: spend a lot of time teaching um, horses that you have in training how to stop softly. And it sounds like you were just saying you teach your riders and your lessons as well. Do they know yes. um, when you're doing those fun games, hey, we're we're working on learning how to stop softly. Um, do you, they know that very, that is yes. the skill that you're working on? Oh, yes. Um, it
2: Very much so um when in all our lessons i'll refer back and forth it's like if i have someone come and say they want a they're a a green reiner rookie level reigning horse and and they've got you know horses very talented the same exercises are used to get those horses to use their hind end um to drive with their hind end and then also to be soft at the pole to where they'll walk on their front end uh and to not be rigid you know if you if you were pulling on them they become rigid and, and stiff but if you've learned to be soft with uh, your hands be soft with the lateral bending on a stop or uh even in the dressage side when we're working on a tr- upwards or downwards transition to where if you relax your body you're sitting straight on that horse that horse and then when that horse comes to a stop They stay soft in that front end and they don't jar you. Um, Yep.
0: So if you have a rider come to you in your lesson program that has been riding for a while but doesn't understand this concept um, of using um, their body to help stop their horse softly, how do you work with that individual? Because I know – sometimes I'm sure that has been my problem from time to time when I was out there thinking as a a kid growing up, um, Oh, I just know how to do all these things. Um, but when you have someone come to you who, who needs help, not the horse, but the rider, um, to understand that, how do you help them through that?
2: Uh, Um, it's, um, as the years have gone by, it seems to have become easier for me, but, um, I explain, most people learn, you know, you know, with the older riders I have, um, they'll be someone we rode in our teens, and they rode good, broke horses. And they would just pull these horses around, so they do lean, but the, or they're out of balance. Um, and usually they'll have a horse, They di- they come to me because the horse, what they think is the horse is messing up. So then I start explaining to them about their body posturing. And majority of the time as they're riding around, if they were doing a left circle and they're leaning to the left and trying to pull that horse, that horse will drop that inside. Shoulder. It's like you drop your horses, mimic you, you drop your shoulder, they drop their shoulder. So you leaning to the left, you're pulling out to the side or you're pulling down to your thigh that opens up that right shoulder and that horse will leave. The moment I get them to pick that pick their left shoulder up, that horse corrects himself. And so it doesn't take long. They're going, Oh, if I do this, but I've been doing it that way my whole life. Unfortunately, that's a common thing because so many learn when they're young and that's just all they can do. Um, then I start teaching about keeping that horse between the legs, teaching the positioning. The first, uh, and this is another whole thing I could talk for hours on too. The first, second, and third position on the on the horse's body, you know where that leg comes into play for the barrel, for their shoulders, for the rib, uh, for the hips. Excuse me, um, and then we just slowly start breaking their body down on the horse, and I keep setting the horse up or setting the rider up because it's usually not the horse. Um, I set the rider up to be correct. Then they start feeling, Oh, then I start working on changing their ways. And then we start working on repetition of over and over and over. It's no different from, you know, learning to do math in school, Uh, you know, in just repetition of over and over and over until it becomes uh, second nature to you. Uh, and older riders, it does take a little bit longer than the younger riders because uh, we have to change our ways and we're a little bit slower, including me. So <laughs> um, that's, I just kind of break it down real simple. I kind of go back to not putting the rider down in any way, compliment, complimenting the rider a lot, but I'm trying to always point out, well, here's where it's not going to work. Here's where it's going to work. And that repetition of them feeling the correctness helps out a bunch. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, those yeah. I'm like listening here, taking notes myself, yeah. like, Oh, I <laughs> to work on my own softness in my, and being able to disassociate yeah. right my my hips yeah. and my shoulders and my hands so that my aides work independently and I can be relaxed when I ride. So you have given us so many different things, both from the perspective of working with the student um and helping them with their horse and stopping softly because you're right, it is a lot about the rider. Um, but if there's one thing um that I should take away, um, as far as working on for my horse and then one for item for myself. I know you've said so many, but what would you, uh, leave me with?
2: Oh, one. Oh, that's tough, lady. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to do just a couple. Okay. Okay. That's um, allowed. <laughs> okay. It is, um, one of the thing, one of the things is when you're riding. Majority of the people this day and age are, they're done riding by the time their horse is even warmed up. Okay, even though our schedules are tough, things are hard. Uh, you know, to get that time in, everyone's you know, is soccer practice, meetings, and so on. Um, yes, ride as much as you even if it's ten minutes. Ride. Because what that helps you do is to become relaxed with your horse, is to ro- and be relaxed. Because the longer you're able, is it helps, but you almost want to sit on that horse like you're sitting on a couch. So if you're relaxed and you can just ride that horse around quiet, a lot of times that doesn't start. Until after the average lesson is over with. Um, I have never been good at being able to do that. Set the clock 45 minute lesson. You're done. Uh, A lot of my lessons can run. Even though we're not working hard. Work, rest, work, rest. We'll, We'll go an hour and a half. It'll be that last half hour. That finally the rider is relaxed. So now the horse can be relaxed, and then we can really get into the the hard training of everything. So hopefully that I know that's I I'll leave it at that a little bit with that, and then the last thing, and then I'll quit. If you remember when we were in Fort Worth uh, last year, okay, everyone loved and it's my one of my most favorite exercises. Uh, is what I call the four-leaf clover, okay? And we break uh, an arena. It doesn't have to be big. Uh, a lot of, I'll, I'm fortunate enough, I have a dirt pad, and then I have a grass pad for riding for when I set up all the, all the dressage. So I'll break that. We'll just say the dressage ring. Um, I'll break it up into four quarters, And so you ride down your center line. And so you're working on straight lines. As you get to the end, you turn and we'll just say left. So what you're doing is four boxes all the way around. So when you complete this, and I could send you guys, it's up to you, I could send you a drawing or anyone that wants to talk to me or has questions can. You know, I can communicate with them and then give a, show them a drawing of how to do it um, but what's nice that helps you learn to pick the shoulder up disengage the hip let that horse go straight pick that shoulder up move that hip let that horse go straight so it helps you develop staying balanced and then it also helps you to teach that horse how to move the hips and move the shoulders as well and that is a great exercise i think i do with every single rider um and i wish i would, could tell you i invented it no uh, i was actually watching a big reigning horse trainer uh do a clinic and i about fell over he was charging 250 dollars an hour And that's all he worked on with every one of his students. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was taught that years ago. Um, But it's a great, and it's called the four-leaf clover. And that's another, like, for you or for anyone that's, you know, listening in, it is a great, great exercise to help you learn and help the horse learn. And it's an incredibly forgiving exercise, and you can be very creative with it. So, now I'll stop.
0: <laughs> That's great takeaway information though. It makes me want to go jump outside and um get on my horse and just spend as much time as possible.
2: <laughs> That's it. You got it. Yep. <laughs>
0: oh, well, can as you said, um you are um a trainer and an instructor. Um so you do some really amazing, wonderful things. Um, wearing your CHA hat, but also I think you're always wearing your CHA hat um, because you I are try. so safe. And like you said, you came uh, came to riding and then came to CHA, but we love to know that, that that's how you are. But how can folks find you if they have questions um, about what you shared today? Um, where are you?
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have a website. It's NPHTraining.com. So it's uh, NPHTraining.com, or you can get on Facebook and it's Ken Najorka, and that's N A J O R K A. I always spell it. Everybody messes it up, but they don't forget it. <laughs> uh, and then I do have Najorka Performance Horse uh, Facebook page, and Facebook's real. You can message me there. Um, and then, you know, my phone number, you can text me, you can call me. And that's the best is texting is 407 721 It's that darn cell phone I keep a little too close to me. Uh, and if you guys, you know, if anyone wants uh, to have me come to a clinic or wants to come ride for the winter, I stay home. And every month we actually do a buckle series here, which we're starting off in December. Um, where you come and ride in all my clinics throughout the month, and then we go to a couple different places in the state of Florida, in North Florida. And uh, by the end of that, the one that's the most accomplished or the one that's uh, had uh, attended most of the clinics, uh, we we have a belt buckle made for them, uh, you know, for showing their accomplishments in the clinics. Uh, and we have a lot of fun. Everything that I uh, to me, it's all about fun. You know, we do these horses, we're around these horses and most everybody, it's all about having fun. So,
0: well, that's great. I know uh, that we look forward at CHA. We are so excited about our 2023 conference and uh, I have a feeling we'll be reaching out to you. We hope to see you in Fort Collins.
1: <laughs> and once again, it's so cool. And this is just, this is a theme with all CHA episodes, the connection between rider skill and what kind of a ride you're having are inseparable. So many times horse, people who call themselves horse trainers, or we talk about training horses, we focus on what's happening with the horse and not enough on what is happening with the rider. And I love how he keeps those two things connected.
0: Yeah, he does a great job of really talking
1: about horse and rider connection. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. So that's about going to be about a wrap-up for today. Um, I think we've plum run out of time and my brain is exploding from all the stuff he talked about. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. And where can fi- people find more about today's episode?
0: Um, well, you can find links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. And you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can follow the HRN Network on Twitter at Horse Radio. And you have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search
1: Horse Radio Network. There you go. If you want super simple and free podcast listening, use the app. Then you don't have all that extra stuff that the fancier app players use. Or if you're a little bit more tech savvy, all the major app uh, podcast players have Horse Radio Network shows on them. So you can just search there. And for people who want to find out what's going on at the Certified Horsemanship Association, want to join, want to check out um, what benefits are available for members, want to find an instructor, etc. Where do they go? they can visit us at our website
0: at cha.horse, H-O-R-S-E.